0: Chapter fifty six of A Hazard of New Fortunes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was in a manner grotesque, but to March it was all the more natural for that reason, that Dreyfus should have Lindau's funeral from his house. He knew the old man to be darkly groping, though the payment of these vain honours to the dead, for some atonement to his son, and he imagined him finding in them such comfort as comes from doing all one can even when all is useless no one knew what lindau's religion was and in default they had had the anglican burial service read over him it seemed so often the refuge of the homeless dead mrs dryfoos came down for the ceremony she understood that it was for conrad's sake that his father wished the funeral to be there and she confided to Mrs. March that she believed Conrad would have been pleased. "'Conrad was a member of the Episcopal Church, and Father's doing the right thing for Conrad as much as for anybody.' He thought the world of Conrad. Father did. Mela, she kind of thought it would look queer to have two funerals from the same house, hand-running, as you might call it, and one of them no relation either. But when she saw how Father was bent on it, she give in seems as if she was trying to make up to father for conrad as much as she could mela always was a good child but nobody can ever come up to conrad march felt all the grotesqueness the hopeless absurdity of dryfoos's endeavour at atonement in these vain obsequies to the man for whom he believed his son to have died but the effort had its magnanimity its pathos and there was a poetry that appealed to him in the reconciliation through death of men, of ideas, of conditions, that could only have gone warring on in life. He thought, as the priest went on with the solemn liturgy, how all the world must come together in that peace which, struggle and strive as we may, shall claim us at last. He looked at Dreyfus and wondered whether he would consider these rites a sufficient tribute or whether there was enough in him to make him realize their futility except as a mere sign of his wish to retrieve the past he thought how we never can atone for the wrong we do the heart we have grieved and wounded cannot kindle with pity for us when once it is stilled and yet we can put our evil promise with penitence and somehow somewhere the order of loving-kindness which our passion or our wilfulness has disturbed will be restored dryfoos through fulkerson had asked all the more intimate contributors of every other week to come beaton was absent but fulkerson had brought miss woodburn with her father and mrs leighton and alma to fill up as he said mela was much present and was official with the arrangement of the flowers and the welcome of the guests she imparted this impersonality to her reception of kendrick's whom Fulkerson had met in the outer hall with his party and whom he presented in whisper to them all Kendricks smiled under his breath as it were and was then mutely and seriously polite to the leightons Alma brought a little brunch of flowers, which were lost in those which Dreyfus had ordered to be unsparingly provided. It was a kind of satisfaction to Mela to have Miss Vance come, and reassuring as to how it would look to have the funeral there. Miss Vance would certainly not have come, unless it had been all right. She had come, and had sent some Easter lilies. "'Ain't Christine coming down?' Fulkerson asked Mela. "'No, she ain't a bit well, and she ain't been ever since Conrad died. "'I don't know what's got over her,' said Mela. She added, "'Well, I should have thought Mr. Beaton would have made out to have come.' "'Beaton's peculiar,' said Fulkerson. "'If he thinks you want him, he takes a pleasure in not letting you have him.' "'Well, goodness knows I don't want him,' said the girl. Christine kept her room, and for the most part kept her bed. But there seemed nothing definitely the matter with her and she would not let them call a doctor. Her mother said she reckoned she was beginning to feel the spring weather. That always perfectly pulled a body down in New York. And Mela said, if being as cross as two sticks was any sign of spring fever, Christine had it bad. She was faithfully kind to her, and submitted to all her humours, but she recompensed herself by the freest criticism of Christine, when not in actual attendance on her. Christine would not suffer Mrs. Mandel to approach her, and she had with her father a sullen submission which was not resignation. For her, apparently, Conrad had not died, or had died in vain. Sure, said Mela one morning when she came down to breakfast. I reckon if we was to send up an old card of Mr. Beaton's, she'd rattle downstairs fast enough. If she's sick, she's lovesick. It makes me sick to see her.' Mela was talking to Mrs. Mandel, but her father looked up from his plate and listened. Mela went on, "'I don't know what's made the fellow quit comin'. but he was an aggravatin' thing and no more dependable than water. It's just like air,' Fulkerson said. "'If he thinks you want him, he'll take a pleasure in not lettin' you have him. I reckon that's what's the matter with Christine. I believe in my heart the girl'll die if she don't get him.' Mela went on to eat her breakfast with her own good appetite— She now always came down to keep her father company, as she said, and she did her best to cheer and comfort him. At least she kept the talk going, and she had it nearly all to herself, for Mrs. Mandel was now merely staying on provisionally, and, in the absence of any regrets or excuses from Christine, was looking ruefully forward to the moment when she must leave even this ungentle home for the chances of the ruder world outside.' The old man said nothing at table, but when Mela went up to see if she could do anything for Christine, he asked Mrs. Mandel again about all the facts of her last interview with Beaton. She gave them as fully as she could remember them, and the old man made no comment on them. But he went out directly after, and at the every-other-week office he climbed the stairs to Fulkerson's room and asked for Beaton's address.' No one yet had taken charge of Conrad's work, and Fulkerson was running the thing himself, as he said, till he could talk with Dryfoos about it. The old man would not look into the empty room where he had last seen his son alive. He turned his face away and hurried by the door. End of chapter 56